Hello, welcome to California Battleground. This is your host, Rob Karinke. And what if I told you that a political earthquake had happened in California and nobody knew about it? Well, that is exactly what has happened with city politics in the Golden State over the last five years. Um, and it is ha having some really profound impacts on uh, not just our local politics, but our state politics, right? So let me take, let me rewind. In 2010, I was working on a lieutenant governor's campaign, statewide campaign, and I wanted to get Democratic mayors and council members to endorse our candidate. And I knew there were about 2,500 mayors and council members in the state. I had a pretty good idea that a lot of them were Democrats, um, but I didn't know, you know, who or you know where to look. Um, I knew some people to ask. I started calling old colleagues of mine at the League of Cities, and I called people at the party, just trying to sort of patch together a list. I was able to put together like maybe 85 names, right? Um, you know, again, like hundreds short of what the likely share was. Um, so from that moment on, uh, you know, I and uh, my colleagues at Grassroots Lab, we started tracking, you know, a complete list of local government officials, um, you know, by party and, 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 and other kinds of indicators, gender, ethnicity, and so forth. I felt like, you know, this was like the size of like a big high school, 2,500 folks. And, you know, if a vice principal could keep track of 2,500 kids, we could probably keep track of 2,500 mayors and council members. And lo and behold, you know, here 10 years on, we have 10 years of complete data. Um, and some really remarkable things have taken place. One thing that folks might be aware of, because there's been reporting on it over the years, is that for um, basically as long as anybody's known, Republicans uh, had the majority of local government seats, right? Um, and, you know, th this was true. Our date only goes back to 2010. We helped the LA Times do a story in 2013 about this. Um, and, you know, we figured that this is probably the way it's been more or less forever, right? Um, you know, like a third of the cities in the state were founded in the 50s and 60s as suburban communities, kind of in the post-war boom. Um, they were pretty conservative places. And, you know, they were suburbs, right? And even progressive suburbs have not exactly covered themselves in glory over the years on housing and other kinds of issues. But, you know, suffice to say, if you were, um, if your city had a Republican, you know, kind of conservative majority in 2012, it's probably true in 1992 or, you know, or 1982 and, and many years prior. Um, so when we saw in 2016, this start to take a dramatic turn, um, we thought it was really very consequential because it had been a small but stable lead uh, for Republicans for the last several years, a couple percentage points, but again, holding. Starting in 2016, the bottom falls out, um, and the GOP has basically been in total free fall um, at the local level and in these local government seats um, since then. And I think that that's remarkable for a few things. Of course, we know we're in a blue state. Um, and a lot gets made of that, and it might seem logical that local government seats would follow suit, but that really, again, had not been the case. And local government has been, you know, kind of fairly inoculated from a lot of those sort of macro trends. One, because of the issues at play and the way people sort of viewed their community and, and the way they voted for local government, because the seats themselves are kind of nominally nonpartisan. You wouldn't necessarily know, you know, based on looking at the ballot, who's a Republican and who's a Democrat. Um, but, you know, even in a even in a cycle like 2012, where Democrats did you know really quite well at the state level and you know won super majorities and so forth, they actually lost seats at the local level. So again, the local government trend had really um, had really been yeah had really bucked to the statewide trend. Uh, indeed, like the state GOP had it as a stated priority to like uh, protect, defend, and expand. 
uh, their share of seats at the local level because they knew um, that this is the pipeline to, to state government office, um, you know, which kind of brings us to, you know, why should you care that this is going on? Um, well, local government is the, is the pipeline to state level office. I mean, even uh, Eric Swalwell was saying on a Dublin city council 10 or 12 years ago, obviously Gavin Newsom was a mayor, uh, Kamala Harris was a city attorney, <laughs> you know, Diane Feinstein was a county supervisor in, in San Francisco once upon a time. Um, historically, two thirds to three quarters of the state legislature comes from local government. Um, and while, um, you know, Democrats, it's become a little bit less so in recent years because of labor, right? You know, labor is kind of a, a way to sort of short circuit that path. Um, it's very important for Republican local elected officials, and it, it really has been their sort of tried and true path. I mean, even Kevin McCarthy was a, a you know, community college board member once upon a time. So local government is the pipeline is is kind of one one really you know kind of critical component and the other again is is the uh, obviously the policy making that goes on at the local government level which makes it quite important so to see such a radical change and so quickly um Republicans have lost 10 percentage points in the last five years. That's hundreds of seats. Um, and now Democrats have not only, you know, a plurality, but a majority of, of the local government seats. Since the first time you've seen either party hold a majority. Uh, there's been a, a pretty good rise in no party preference uh, office holders. Um, office holders of neither party, it's nearly doubled in the last 10 years, but that does not account for all of the Republican losses. It's not merely Republicans changing to, to NPP and continuing to hold office. In fact, not only um, are the margins different, the people are, along with it, obviously also very different, and in half of the mayors and council members are new in the last five years. We had 650 newly elected officials just last November. So it's not only changing um, profoundly, it's also changing really very rapidly. And you know, we've talked about the what, we'll talk a little bit about the where. Where is this changing? It is changing everywhere. Um, we looked at, you know, at a county by county basis, um, you know, how had the counties changed, you know, as a matter of their mayors and council members over the last 10 years. And this is not a matter of like San Francisco and Los Angeles running up the margins, right? Uh, the city of San Francisco has not had a Republican on their county board of supervisors since the early 70s. Um, LA typically had one in the San Fernando Valley, and that's now changed. You have a, a gentleman who used to be a Republican um, and, a, and an aide to a Republican council member who's, who's technically NPP. But um, it, this, this phenomenon is is all over the state, um, and it's and it's most pronounced in some of the places that I think are the most consequential, which is the suburbs, right? So it's places like the East Bay Area, um, you know, Santa Barbara, Ventura County, North Orange County, North San Diego County, the Inland Empire, large parts of the Central Valley. The places that are really hotly contested um, in terms of California state politics, you know, away from the coasts, away from the big cities, that is where you're seeing some of the deepest and, and, and most profound changes. Uh, so Contra Costa County, as an example, um, still a pretty conservative place in a lot of regards, um, though they typically vote Democratic at the top of the ticket. Still pretty conservative, I know, because I grew up there. Um, they entered the decade uh, with you know, Republican majorities and Democrats had less than half of the seats. Now they have almost two thirds. Um, you know, the Bay Area itself was about two thirds Democrat and is now like three quarters Democrat. Um, Alameda County has you know, stayed relatively flat, but which is to say like you know, Democrats hold nine out of 10 seats today, very similar to what they had 10 years ago. 
the place that has been worse, where Republicans have been, um, you know, faring the worst, is is San Diego County. I would argue. Um, this is a place that has been, you know, kind of like an anchor of conservative California for decades. Pete Wilson was a mayor in San Diego before he was a senator or a governor. Um, this, uh, Republicans have been crushed in local government races in San Diego. You know, not only have they lost the, you know, the city of San Diego, the county of board has gone um, Democrat for the first time, I think maybe ever. Uh, and Republicans now hold, um, you know, not much better than two in five local government seats across San Diego County, which is really remarkable. Uh, you know, Orange County and the Inland Empire are bluer than they were 10 years ago, but they still have, Republicans still have majorities among the city council members there. Um, not the case in San Diego. Um, Kern County is a bright spot for Republicans. Um, in the Antelope Valley, you know, bordering it, you know, the northern parts of, uh, of, of L.A. County, Santa Clarita, uh, Lancaster, Palmdale, that, those are really, that's kind of like the Republican stronghold that's left. And it is, is veritably surrounded by blue um, everywhere at the local level now with, you know, large parts of the South San Joaquin Valley trending blue and a lot more Latino electeds getting elected, many or most of whom are Democrats. There are some areas north of Sacramento that are, you know, maybe a little bit less blue, like Yolo County and Butte County, but they're not actually more red, truly. Um, it's another sort of matter of no party preference office holders, um, you know, displacing a few Democrats. Um, you know, Republicans are, you know, fundamentally almost non-existent in Yolo County. Um, in some of those other areas, there, there are not that many cities to begin with, um, and the margins haven't increased really that much in, in terms of raw numbers. So... You know, where is it happening? It's happening everywhere. And, it, and even more importantly, it's happening in the really important parts where, you know, kind of the, the future is at stake, so to speak, um, with contested legislative races coming up. So that's the what and the where. I think what's, you know, obviously what everyone wants to talk about probably is the why. Well, I think there's really kind of three things at play. And at the top of the list, you know, I mean, you have to look at the at the calendar and when it starts to happen. And it's really difficult not to talk about Trump, right? Or, or Trumpism, the Trump era, the sort of reaction to that. And I think it's not just a, you know, story of modern uh, moderates, uh, suburbanites rejecting Trumpism. I think that that's probably part of it. But I think you also have to look at all of the local organizing um, that has happened on the progressive side of the aisle and on you know the, the the left side of the aisle around local government right you know labor sure always was involved in um in local races and you know 10 or 15 years ago i mean that was kind of you know you had labor and then maybe you had the realtors and maybe you had like a couple one-off developers that were involved in local elections but you didn't have a lot of like outside um, you know, organized interest in who's holding local government seats, right? And if you were like a democratic activist, you didn't really care either, right? If you were like a democratic activist in 2005, you were interested in the Iraq war and you know, healthcare fights and climate, yeah, but, um, you know, kind of federally and state focused kind of climate action. You know, now these are very um, localized uh, kinds of issues and progressive groups springing up in kind of the aftermath of Trump's election, groups like Indivisible and Run for Something. I mean, they crop up within weeks, uh, you know, before Trump's even inaugurated, within weeks of that election. Um, you, have, you know, the Bernie Sanders movement, you know, with our revolution and the Democratic Socialists. Um, 
all of those are galvanized by uh, you know the emergence of Trump. And what is their playbook for like resistance in the Trump era? It is run for office locally and get engaged in local offices, right? Um, and that is really borne out. And I think there's other sort of left of center groups, um, you know, like focused on women and focused on training um, you know, Latino candidates. All of those have seen a lot of success, and that's translated into gains. There have also been um, really important structural changes to our elections. And so if you're, you know, kind of on the conservative side, I think you might take some solace that the ground has shifted a little bit in ways that are, you know, basically unfavorable um, to conservatives. One is district elections. Over 120 cities have moved uh, to district-based elections just in the last four years. Um, and that's just a happenstance of when a lot of the lawsuits matured around that. Um, that has certainly elected more um, Latino candidates. It hasn't been a silver bullet for you know uh, diversifying city councils, but it has had an impact. Um, but one thing it has definitely done is elected a lot more Democrats. Um, and you know we'll probably unpack a little bit more of that in a later episode. Uh, but you have you know very small scale elections in some of the in some instances where grassroots type candidates are a lot more viable. Um, kind of nullifies the impact of outside money. Um, we're definitely seeing, you know, a lot more Democrats being successful in a lot of those cities. I think about a city like Corona, um, you know, I mean, you would think a very conservative place has gone to districts and now is electing Democrats. Costa Mesa is probably the lighthouse example. That was a place that was like an absolute flashpoint for conservative activism 10 or 12 years ago around pensions and um, you know, they became a rule of law city when the neighboring cities were sanctuary cities. It was a launching pad for, you know, one of their council members became a state legislator. You know, now they've gone to districts and they have a Latino, um, I think a Latino majority council, definitely a Democratic majority council. And they have a woman Democratic mayor who herself is, you know, run competitively anyway for, for higher office. The, the districts have had a big change. Also consolidation, right? Um, the You know, once upon a time you had Almost all of the cities in LA County, a lot of cities in places like Marin County and in the Central Valley that had off-cycle elections that happened in odd years away from the general election, nominally to like give you know oxygen to local issues and sort of separate them and keep them out of remove from the partisan politics of, of general elections. The impact of that was very low turnout elections um, in ones in which conservatives were a lot more viable because you had an older electorate more conservative electorate, more homeowners, that kind of thing. Um, now, state law has compelled virtually every city um, to move into you know the the normal cycle of elections, and uh, you've dramatically expanded the electorate for a lot of folks. Um, I was looking at uh, the city of Carson. You know, they had a mayoral race six years ago. Um, with 25,000 votes cast, the city has about 100,000 residents. Um, those same two people were on the ballot last year with some other candidates, including an, an incumbent, um, and the winner got 25,000 votes or more. Um, so you could see that there's an exponential increase in the size of people who are voting for you. That's a younger, it's a more progressive uh, electorate. Um, and which brings me to my third point, what are those younger, more progressive voters focused on? Uh, again, they're focused on issues that are increasingly local government issues, and they're you know they're actively engaged. It's not a passive thing where they're like, oh, I'm here to vote for president, and um, you know I'll see like who's down here, and maybe I like their you know um, their ballot label or whatever. 
No, like a lot of the issues that are galvanizing behavior at the top of the ticket are actually local government issues, really. Um, you think about like housing and homelessness, you know, people are, are now waking up to the fact that those are local government issues. And I've seen people on, you know, kids on Twitter making memes about the RENA process, the Regional Housing Needs Assessment. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty clear sign, you know, that those these things are trickling down and, and sort of penetrating. Um, the you know the civil rights uh movement around police reform you know obviously is a very local um, issue it plays out in state and federal politics but you're seeing a lot of activism locally um you know people going not only to council meetings but to council members homes i mean this is a this is a very localized and visceral issue this is a local government issue um you know lesser issues like um cannabis right what is the you know, number one correlate to whether or not your city is permitting cannabis, it is the partisanship of that city council, right? It's the same thing for environmental issues, right? If your city is banning plastic bags, that is a Democratic majority council taking that action. Um, there are a lot of cities that ban fracking. Um, many of them like have no fracking, right? But they ban it anyway. <laughs> and so while you had some kind of activist cities um, historically in the state, you know, like your Berkeleys or West Hollywoods or Santa Monica's, um, you know, God love them. They would do things like that, you know, even going back to the 90s and then in the early parts of the decade, but they're really kind of on an island there. Now it's very common and it's also a tactic, right? Um, you know, having cities compelling dozens or even, you know, hundreds of cities to take a uniform action is a tool in the toolbox of, of interests who want to see action in the state capitol, right? They're, they're taking these fights into city halls and it's, 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 it's going out into the provinces, so to speak. So it's a really fascinating change, you know, to the, you know, the wins and the wares of the election, the, and the issues driving them and the kinds of groups that are active. Um, it's, it really is a, it's a profound change. It has also led to really profound changes in who is represented in California local government. Um, women um, have far more seats now than they did 10 years ago. At the outset of the decade, you know, barely one in four mayors and council members were women. Um, now they have nearly 40% of the seats, you know, you know, still well short of parity, but a really, really dramatic rise. And um, we participated in a report back in 2014 um, that showed that, you know, at that time, women were 29% of mayors and council members. They were basically the same number of county supervisors. The state legislature was like a little bit less than 30% women. The congressional delegation was a little bit less than 30% women. It was like this sort of straight line across. And, you know, you draw a pretty straight line to the fact that not enough women were in local office in order to be viable and have constituency and, and, and sort of build cachet in order to run successfully for higher office. Um, that's clearly changed, you know, a lot. Um, and like other things I mentioned, it, it changes a lot in the last five years since 2016. Who are those women? They, I mean, they're overwhelmingly Democrats, like overwhelmingly by a margin of at least three to one, if not more. Um, uh, women, you know, winning in the last few years, <coughs> Democrat versus Republican. Um, it's also been a big um, change for uh, women of color. Almost half the African American officials that we're tracking are women. Um, Latinas are uh, about forty percent of all Latino uh, elected officials, and their numbers have doubled uh, in the last few years. Um, so again, you know, um, very, very, very big changes from a gender standpoint, and um, the the changes in ethnicity um, extend, you know, not just to women but to men as well. 
And we have seen, um, you know, increases uh, for Asian Pacific Islander candidates and African American candidates. They started, you know, both of them at like three and four percent of the whole, respectively, ten years ago. Um, those numbers have roughly doubled on both fronts. Um, but you know, the rise in Latino elected officials—they have risen from you know about fifteen percent ten years ago to over twenty now, and almost twenty-five percent. Um, that actually is a pretty good mirror reflection of uh, the increase in Latino uh, participation as a share of the electorate in the last five years. And again, you know, this is a very pronounced um, movement uh, since 2016 and, you know, and difficult to ignore the national political dynamics, um, you know, and their impact, you know, way down at the local level in terms of what's been galvanized in terms of who's running and who's running successfully. Um, so. All in all, um, a pretty remarkable time, um, I think, in local government. Um, I talked about a lot of numbers in this episode, um, and all of the graphs and charts and a lot more writing on all of this is available at CaliforniaCityNews.org, where we originally published this report. Um, but I want to kind of come back to you know, the implications for this, and this is something that you know I'll delve into more in a subsequent episode is you know the changes at the local level it's not just sort of like a wonky political science like oh it's like kind of interesting um it actually is a really important change right um almost half of the legislature is going to term out uh in the next four or five years and as i think i've already sort of belabored you know the people replacing them are, are sitting on city councils um right now also the issues that california voters demonstrably care about and care about quite deeply or local government issues. Um, and it's not just housing and policing, um, the, the way the public health um, issues have played out in the pandemic in the last few, in the last year, that has, um, you know, really kind of, you know, uh, splintered reaction um, at, at, at the local level, and I think will play out in a very significant way in the upcoming cycle. And um, all of which is to say, um, I think it's a super fascinating time um, in local government. I hope you do too. I hope you've enjoyed this kind of like a uh, uh, mini deep dive into what's been going on there. And I hope you walk away with the fact that it's, um, it's something that is uh, really kind of earth shattering what's been going on. Um, and I will look forward to talking to you about it more, uh, hopefully very soon. Thank you.